to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing the 1999 return to form, maybe, of George Lucas, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace came out in 99 to much awaiting and fanfare. And rather absurd excitement. I mean, people were over the top. I mean, we hadn't had a Star Wars movie since 83. It had been a while, but I mean, there were people that saw this movie like eight times in four days or three days of that opening weekend. I mean, it was. Oh yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't think I left the theater there for like the first two days. I don't think I would have wanted to smell you at the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is why you're sitting on the other side of the table now. That's true. That's true. I'm keeping my distance. Uh, No, but in all, uh, in all uh, seriousness on this, uh, you know, this was a return to Star Wars by George Lucas, the creator himself. He had completed episodes four, five, and six, and he teased us. Maybe someday I'll go back and tell the story. And the the couple years previous, ninety seven, he had released the original trilogy, kind of special edition, kind of done some tweaks to it yeah. to many people's chagrin. Um, I enjoyed them. I would be more okay with them if we could get the theatrical releases. You can, if, we could, if we could get them both. You can get the theatrical releases. I thought it was just on, like on YouTube. Like no, league. you can get the theatrical releases. In 2004, Lucas released uh, sets of the original. Let's hear okay, me out. Okay, I'm making faces at uh, Yeah, he's making faces at me, folks. Of uh, see, see the work conditions I have to deal with. <laughs> But no, in, in 2004, uh, I believe it was, Lucas released DVDs with the special edition and another disc with the an alternate editions and also a comic book of an adaptation of the movies. Now, a lot of people didn't realize that, but it was there. I have copies. I will bring them to Well, it, it was my understanding that you can't find any that he hasn't tinkered with now, in some way or another. Now, I will tell you, even from 78, the year after, because we all know Episode 4 stayed in theaters for Ever. a year yeah. in, in a lot of places. And in some places, it even come back around annually. Episode 4 did not have Episode 4, A New Hope, at the beginning of the oh, Yeah, he was tinkering from the Originally, he was tinkering yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, even um, the releases, and, and this isn't an Episode 4 podcast, folks, but I'm, <laughs> we're all going to get into this on how, how Lucas tinkers. <laughs> even the first few releases, I, th- I believe the 75-millimeter release didn't have a completed soundtrack. Hmm. You had sound elements missing or not the final edits because just the time crunch that Lucas was under and how Industrial Light and Magic had kind of dropped the ball on some of that stuff. But this is a Star Wars podcast. This is not a Episode 4 podcast this time around. We are doing Episode 1 in our year What do you, what do you mean Star not Wars. this time around, Dwayne? Well, that's what I was getting, getting to. Uh, this year we are going to be leading up to Star Wars Episode 9. We're going to be taking one Star Wars movie every month. And and just kind of breaking it down, uh, culminating in episode nine, a review of that one, uh, the last of December. So I'm really excited about this process. Uh, being a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan, 
pretty much my entire life. I was born in 74. <clears throat> Star Wars come out in 77. I mean, as far back as I can remember, these have been my movies. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm probably not on the same tier of Star Wars fan as Dwayne, but I mean, it's a, it's a franchise that I love and I'm really pumped that we're going to spend so many of the episodes this year talking about Star Wars. I'm really looking forward to it, but we've, we've uh, kind of tapped ass around it. We're going to talk about episode one tonight, and this is very kind of a um, divided uh, fan opinion on wh- how they feel about this movie. And Very divided. And um, so we've, we've both rewatched it, and so Dwayne, do you have any opening thoughts? Well, now I'm going to tell you, Jamie, my opening thoughts, I've had a special place in my heart on this movie from day one. Uh, from the is that a good place or a bad place? It's, it's a great place. It's it's a very special <laughs> place. Now I will tell you, this was not the story my action figures had figured out. You know, in in the backyard. You know, the the X wings, the Millennium Falcon, my friend's Death Star. You know, we'd all get together with the ATATs and just you know complete these stories you know darth vader searching out the jedi uh, anakin's turn to the dark side obi-wan being a, a you know a, a youth instead of you know the the elderly person we see and when we find out who's going to be in these movies you know uh ewan mcgregor cast is fabulous yeah uh, liam neeson natalie portman i mean you cannot go wrong yeah. um samuel and, jackson and we get instead of a action swashbuckling faster more intense so to speak we get kind of a political thing with some action woven throughout a little bit of minutiae in the world building um but you know this movie has held a special place in my heart for a long long time it's a very very great place uh, i've held it dear and i see what lucas done with the story wasn't necessarily some of my choices but it told the story he set out to tell my opening thoughts are going to sound a lot more negative than yours. I've had a special place in my heart for this uh, movie as well. It just, it was purgatory. It wasn't really a good place. Um, I've, I've had, I had to get one over, over the years with the prequels. Um, the only one I had initially a good response to was Revenge of the Sith. Oh, as, as did a uh, great many other fans. Um, I liked half of Attack of the Clones, and mm-hmm. I did not like this movie. Well, half, half of Attack of the Clones is probably a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, so I've rewatched it a couple of times in the last few months, and um, I think the biggest complaint I have, my biggest thought on this movie, is it just we didn't need this. Yeah. Um, this is not a story that needed to be told, and I think we would have been better served with just a a longer telling of Anakin as an older Anakin. Well, that's um, what more, a lot more of time people, of his relationship with Obi Wan. Yeah, that's and what a lot longer of process really of him want. turning. Yeah, a longer process of him turning, just like you said. I'm sorry, yeah. I kind of stepped okay. on you there. But yeah, that's what a lot of people were wanting in this was a a, a teenage or a young adult yeah. Anakin, uh, you know, dealing with his emotions, uh, seeking out the Jedi, turning to Darth Vader, getting in the suit a lot earlier, you know. Uh, but here we get a, a nine-year-old kid. I mean, and it really does lay a lot of psychological groundwork for Anakin, um, you know, for Darth Vader, like, you know, where he was torn from his mother. He was into slavery. He, you know, didn't know what he was. Uh, you know, the, the whole situations around him. It really did establish a groundwork. But like you said, it would have been, I think, a better telling, probably more exciting 
uh, a little bit older Anakin. I mean, this could have been like a 15-minute opening to the first movie and have Attack of Clones be the first movie and then have that kind of un- unpack Revenge of the Sith into two movies and, yeah. ha- and have that that have that be a longer process well, rather than kind of a rushed thing at the end. Well, really not even this being a an a, you know 15-minute opening. This could be the crawl. Yeah. To to attack the clone. Yeah. The Trade Federation is gathering power. Yeah. You know, I mean, political intrigue. You know, the Chancellor has lost face. There's been a new Chancellor absolutely. elected. You know, uh, could have been in the crawl. Um, I'm going to tell you, though, Jamie, you hadn't seen this movie since, a long time. Since you borrowed it from me just here recently. Yeah, I'd, I'd, and I had refused to own it. Um, that the, the, was the only holes in my Star Wars collections. I had refused to own Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. Oh, wow. Um, I own them now. We had Christmas recently, and they were under the tree. But um, but I've, I've warmed up to the movie. Yeah. And I think there's still some problems. I mean, there's a lot of flat acting, um, which may or may not be the actor's fault. There's some direction that might be the issue. Um, some of the effects have aged poorly. That, you know, some of, as much we'll as they into put that. into it, as much as they put into yeah. it, the effects did age age quite poorly. Um, another big complaint I have, and this is sort of a big picture, and I don't want to get any spoilers yet, but the the change in tone from mm-hmm. the original trilogy to this mm-hmm. movie is jarring. Totally. Um, and we, we'll get into more into detail about that as we sort of break that movie down. Um, and the, I mean, there's some of another thing that's jarring too is that is the shift away from practical effects to the to all CGI or nearly all CGI gave them a, a, a different feel too. Now I'm gonna kick back on. I know there's a practical effects. There's there's, there's a, a lot. lot of CGI. There's a lot more practical effects in in even the first three. You know the, the prequel trilogy. There's a lot more effects than is given credit for. Now there were great swaths of set and things that were computer. Well, nothing was taller than seven generated. feet tall. I mean, it, um, I mean, I mean, almost almost huge amounts of the sets weren't there. And right. a lot of the a lot of the creatures on set were probably just you know tennis balls on poles. I mean that can that can affect acting too. Now I'm I'm gonna I'm, you need to watch the documentary. Okay. Because there was a lot more on set stuff than than you realize, and a lot of people give credit for. Uh, of course, Jar Jar being the first all CG character. Yeah. If you watch, if you guys have we're a chance, get into Jar Jar. I, I love the documentaries, and the the amount of work they put into Jar Jar. I wish he would have being portrayed a little, I don't want to say differently. I think I'm at best done exactly what Lucas wanted. Um, I think I'm at best is probably the best person to have physically captured that role. Uh, but I think that the fan base was at a point that, okay, we're okay to take humor from R2 and C3PO. Star Wars has always been funny. But not yeah, this This was a different. But not this goofball here yeah. who's super slapstick. You know, Han Solo's got the sarcastic humor. Yeah. R2 and C3PO, they're just out of their element. Yeah. Funny. But I mean, but I mean oh, we may want to wait until we get into this. But <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> okay, um, my, my last point, but then I'll give you my grade. Okay. And I'll, I'll shut up. Because I do, I do have positive things to say about the movie. Um, but we're, we're doing my opening thoughts here. It's my, it's my turn. Um, as I think that, and this is sort of the big picture. This, this is sort of um, how I've changed my thinking on the movie. It's clear from things I've read and from the the tone of the movie. He was making a kids movie, like explicitly, he was making a kids movie this time. He was making a movie for his kids, um, which is fine. I mean, I, I, I've tried to adjust my thinking to take things for what they're intending to be. This was intended to be a kids movie. It works. 
as a kid's movie. I mean, I, I watched this with my kids uh, for the first time. They laughed their heads off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they enjoyed it. They love it. Uh, I think they're a little upset I hadn't let them watch it before then. Um, but it doesn't have the Pixar touch. I mean, because with Pixar, there's like, you know, you uh, adults enjoy those movies in ways that kids don't. And kids enjoy these movies in ways that adults don't. There's different things for different people. There's not really a lot there for adults. I mean, yeah. This is a kid movie. It's just a fun kid movie. Mm-hmm. And it works on that regard. Um, but I'm not a kid. Um, so, <laughs> so here's my grade. I, it's a C. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm basing it on the the patent the patent pending Dwayne Justice grade scale. Okay. It's kind of good. It's kind of good. It's kind of good. Kinda it's cool. watchable. It's yeah. recommendable. It's not great. It's not above average. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of. It's kind of cool. Okay, I can go there. And uh, I didn't mean to step on you earlier. Uh, oh, I was I was get, just getting a little excited with the. Uh, the, the dialogue back and forth here. But, you know, all Star Wars movies essentially are kid movies. You look at the age group that latched on to yeah. A New Hope. Granted, A New Hope revolutionized yeah. the, the the movie genre at the time, and everybody was like, whoa, and and went there. He just knows my Keanu, whoa. So everybody <laughs> went there. So, you know, everyone loved it. Now, this one... Yeah, Lucas has always made kid movies. I mean, look at the Ewoks. Yeah. Look at Yoda. He's a little green gnome. I try, I try to figure out the Ewoks. Yeah, too. look at Jar Jar. He's a you know a, a, a goofball. He's just co- comedic, you know, junior high comedy essentially. Well, it just felt like this was another notch or two down the grade yeah. the grade scale. Yeah. Oh, the, the age scale, whatever. I can I can see that. Um, now uh, I, I will give my grade, and being a, a, a Star Wars fan, and as much. Just for pure, I'm so curious. Just for pure nostalgia and pure love, I'm I'm giving this one an A minus. Really? Yeah, I'm giving this one an A minus. Uh, just for bringing it back, just for bringing Star Wars back. Okay. Um, you have a fan base that had been so wanting, starved. you know, starved for this. And I mean, and you had the, the, the Timothy Zahn novels, the expanded universe starting to come out in the early nineties. You had dark horse comics, bringing out the comic books and we're just clamoring for anything we can get now. Uh, as our conversation, our star Wars survey, I, I feel that we're a little oversaturated yeah. at the time for Star Wars, but at this time, you know, and, and the three year break, I mean, it was how much more perfect, you know, because you had time to breathe. You had time to see the set photos come out. You had time to get little leaks and things of story. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give this an A-. minus. It's not the best storytelling. It's <laughs> not the story I would have told. Uh, yeah, the acting is kind of wooden. But if you look at the original Star Wars, if you look at, uh, you know, Episode Four, Carrie, Mark, and, and uh, you know, Harrison. Harrison Ford, you know, is famously quoted by telling George Lucas, George, you can read this stuff, but you can't say it, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, Lucas is a primary colors storyteller. He paints in broad strokes, you know, um, and, uh, sometimes the stories movies are best served when he may not be at the helm. And we'll get into that in future episodes, but you know, he, he paints in broad colors You've got a bad guy dressed in black from head to toe. <laughs> yeah, it's not. In you this know, movie, the bad guy is a demon. You know, all basically. of the. Yeah, exactly. And all of the. Uh, you it's know, not subtle. All of the stormtroopers, all of the, you know, troops, they're 
white, faceless, you know, skeletal, you know, armored figures. Uh, you know, how much more, you know, yeah, they're, they're not can, subtle movies. No, not, none not, of them really are subtle. <laughs> they're not subtle movies at all. But now that our uh, our thoughts and, and grades are kind of out of the way, I'm giving an A minus. Wow. And and I, really, I know it's just because I love them so much. <laughs> it's just because of them. So, and I'll tell you right now, uh, I can go ahead and probably tell you for the next, uh, you know, for for all of the movies probably in the prequel trilogy, you're going to be about an A minus. For all of the movies in the original trilogy, you're going to be an A plus. And all of the sequels so far, um, episode nine with Standing, we haven't seen that one yet. You know, um, they're probably going to be an A, mm. right, you know, right in the middle. Okay. Uh, so there's my grade for the next, you know, for the nine, you know, well, here, saga well, movie. Well, here, I'll, get, I'll give our listeners a heads up. There are going to be some disparate grades coming up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not as uh, as overwhelmingly enthused with all these movies that we're doing this. So. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, I was very disabused. Um, I'll say this uh, before we get into our Clone Wars episode. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to slow us down. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I was very disabused of my, uh, this is the way the story should be. Uh, not even by this movie. Not even by Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. I had gotten so, so, so into the expanded universe. And in 2008, when uh, Clone Wars come out, Anakin comes out, gets a Padawan. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, uh, uh-uh, no! This, this does not fly. Anakin's not a master. You can't have a Padawan unless you're a master. And you know, and I'm getting into the all the minutia of the rules that had been established in these 120 books. You know that I had read. And George Lucas just didn't care about. Your and books. George Lucas doesn't care about the books. <laughs> and and I and I had to just realize. And I said, you know, okay, this isn't my story to tell, but it's a story I can enjoy. So once I got myself out of the way, I thoroughly loved the Clone Wars movie and the television show, yeah. the whole saga. Uh, Ahsoka, great, great. Character. I love Ahsoka. Yeah, she's 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 my sweetheart. But I'd love to see an Ahsoka movie. Oh yeah, the, I, there's been rumors. Yeah, um, there's been rumors. Anyway, that's not the movie we're talking about tonight. Sorry. This is the danger with us doing Star Wars. We're gonna keep wandering down rabbit trails. <laughs> yeah, we want to try to keep it try to keep it on path here. All right. Um, you want me to read so, part one? Um, why don't I go ahead and grab part one just to change things up? Because I know you do, normally do in the past, and I've got new glasses, folks. I've had to upgrade to bifocals. So my 1974 uh, year of birth. So I'm gonna put those to use today. Um, the Trade Federation upsets order in the Galactic Republic by blockading the planet Naboo. In preparation for a full-scale invasion, the Republic's leader, Supreme Chancellor Valorum, dispatches Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn and his apprentice, Obi-Wan Kenobi, to negotiate the Trade Federation Viceroy Newt Gunray, Darth Sidious, a Sith Lord, and the Trade Federation's secret benefactor, orders the Viceroy to kill the Jedi and begin their invasion with an army of battle droids. The Jedi escape and flee... To Naboo. During the invasion, Qui-Gon saves the life of a clumsy Gungan outcast, Jar Jar Binks, from being run over by a droid transport. Indebted to Qui-Gon, Jar Jar leads the Jedi to Udagunga, an underwater city on Naboo. The Jedi try to persuade the Gungan leader, Boss Nass, to help the planet's surface dwellers, but are unsuccessful. However, the Jedi manage to 
obtain Jar Jar's guidance and underwater transport to Thede, the capital city of Naboo. They narrowly avoid getting eaten by sea monsters on the way. They rescue Naboo's queen, Padme Amidala, and escape from the blockaded planet on her royal starship, intending to reach the Republic capital planet of Coruscant. Okay, that's the first chunk of the movie. And one thing, Jamie, we completely missed with our introductions is the casting of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of mentioned the actors, but really, I mean, you had Ewan McGregor as a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's really good. Who is really great. And apparently, and you can just feel like he's having, he feels like he's having the best time in the the movie. The best time of their life. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn uh, is Liam Neeson. Phenomenal actor. I love Liam Phenomenally played. Uh, Natalie Portman is Queen Amidala. How great. I mean, she's a great actress, but it doesn't show in this movie. I mean, she is flat. She's just saying lines. She's wooden in this movie. It's the worst Natalie Portman performance I've ever seen. And like Harrison Ford said, (laughs) you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. And a lot of it, Jamie, may also have to do with the content of the movie. This is not a rescue swashbuckling movie. There's, There's those elements in here, but the core of the movie on this seems to be the blockade the taxation the function of the senate yeah and i mean it's not just her i mean there's there's some other performances where people that um, the people who are good actors who just don't it don't show it doesn't show in this movie and that could be the director who's kind of famously not great with his actors mm-hmm. um but um but the casting was great oh, the when, casting. when when they when they Take put together the meeting we'll have this person play this character they Every one of them was a good answer. I mean, that's a great cast. Just some kind of uneven performances. But um, so we, but we launch into the movie, and I have a problem right off the bat yeah. with the opening crawl. I <laughs> okay. hate the opening crawl to this movie. Okay. Um, so we're not even getting into the, we're gonna the get spaceship there. landing, but the opening crawl even. Yeah. Oh, I love the spaceships. I mean, any. I mean, this is some of the best looking spaceships in Star Wars. It's beautiful. Well, design. We're gonna get there. Um, I have good things to say about this movie. I, I didn't give it a D or an F. Um, <laughs> but the opening crawl, it's just, this is not how you bring back Star Wars after, you know, a decade and a half. Right. Um, we have a family tradition in my house where we talk, where Daddy reads the opening crawls of the Star Wars movies, the Clone Wars, or the Lego Star Wars games that we play like crazy. I read the opening crawls dramatically. Except with this one, I, I gave these confused sounds as I made them like, Trade Federation? Taxation? And I confused my youngest. She, after I finished reading it, she's like, Daddy, why'd you read it weird like that? And so I didn't go into detail. I wanted her to enjoy the movie and not, you have a grumpy old man. So you didn't about explain it. Star Wars is not about tr- taxation. Well, not, not, that's not even the thing. You could do it in the movie. Yeah. It's just, that's not the opening crawl. Yeah. You should, I mean, you, you could redo the opening crawl and have it be exciting. You know, I mean, there's, you know, Civil War on Naboo. That's more exciting than a trade federation. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I don't know, you could do it differently. I mean, right. there's exciting things that happen in this movie that you could have worded differently in the crawl. I just think the crawl's a fail. Yeah, okay. What were your thoughts seeing the Jedi in, uh, you know, the first time you really see Jedi in this capacity? At this movie, they've, they've disembarked from the ship. They're walking into the meeting room. They remove their hoods. And 
you know, he's got the weird braid. I was going to make fun of the rat he's tail. The, <laughs> <laughs> the weird rat tail and the pigtail in the back of the head. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a weird look. Yeah. My, my wife and I snickered the whole movie every time we saw you McGregor on screen. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I like them. I mean, I mean, it's Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And they're, and they're both giving good performances and they're doing what, they're doing Jedi stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, I, I know I gush a lot about the, uh, special features, documentaries and stuff, but if you ever get a chance to watch the documentaries about this, they're having to stop Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson constantly, even on set. They're going zoom, zoom, zoom when they're <laughs> slicing with the torch. Like, no, we'll put that in later, guys. We'll do that later. <laughs> you know, so you know they just had a blast yeah. making this. Thing. And you can tell, you McGregor's got a real grin on his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, all, yeah, every time he's got, anytime he gets to play with a lightsaber, he's grinning. Mean, he's just having a ball. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, and and I, I thought it was interesting some of the ways they use the lightsabers because we hadn't really seen in the past a Jedi who knew how to use a lightsaber. Right. Yeah. You had Luke who was trying to figure it out. You yeah. Know? Uh, he really didn't get a lot of instruction from Yoda uh, that you would think. You really didn't get a lot of instruction from, from Ben Kenobi for obvious reasons. Yeah, but like when you see him, when they close those the blast doors, and they're and he sticks the lightsaber in the door and starts cutting through. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We, we never seen anything like that And before. then they close the other doors, and he's like, well, I'll just melt through the whole thing. Yeah. You know, he just jams it in and starts that was cool. working. Yeah. I thought the weird force running they did looked weird yeah the 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 zooming the the yeah. force speed yeah uh, and that, like, that would have come in handy later on but you decided to forget you know how to do that yeah and that was one of the things i really liked about the books is it kind of got into that where that was really an expenditure on their concentration and on their body um how they could yeah do that and that uh, and work on that under stress you know uh in in you know later on with the duel you see uh, you know you're thinking well they could maybe yeah why didn't they shoot through the doors faster right you know do it do a zoom there but and then you see Qui-Gon you know kneel down and start to meditate but we'll get there shortly uh, but yeah the uh, the setup was kind of a strange I did enjoy um I, I like like you said seeing seeing them you know really uh you know determine that the poison was coming in through the through the vent take the breath you know yeah. hold their breath you know using their jedi abilities I mean, to, I mean, to these are peak the jedi yeah. I mean, this isn't like a, a really old jedi and a kid doesn't know how to use the force they these know are, the force yeah, these yeah. are people who are trained they know what they're doing and it was kind of it was cool to see yeah and the, the sneaking down to the planet i thought was really cool where they're running ahead of the uh, of the ships that are you know floating over the ground, knocking over the trees and stuff, yeah. and, and and the finding of Jar Jar. Now, I know uh, Jamie. Uh, one of our episodes will probably never see the light of day. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know, I know, you know exactly what I'm talking to. about. Uh, when when we very first started toying around with the idea of this, we had both seen the Han Solo movie, and uh, so we we decided we want to sit down and do a, a run through of the Han Solo movie and. After our first break, I come back in with a Wisa back, and and Jamie folks, I mean, I, I broke him. Uh, he was prepared. he was he was laying on the floor crying with laughter. We had to take another immediate break. We had to take another break. <laughs> so that was a, but yeah, that was just tons of fun. But yeah, Jar Jar was kind of a, a different character in in the world of building that we hadn't been exposed to. Well, and in the past, we'd had these uh, a few little silly characters here and there, like the uh, little goofball in like Jabba's throne room. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. Uh, I'm blanking. Sass Noodles. Yeah, I mean, but they had never been so prominent. No, no. Sass Noodles is the is the snouty girl that sings. 
Salacious. We named this podcast right. It's getting nerdy in here. Salacious, salacious <laughs> crumb is it. a little yeah. monkey guy. Yeah, yeah. So, but they're being these little silly characters, but they've never been one this important. Right. Had been on screen this much. Th- this amount of screen time. There's so much Jar Jar Binks in this movie. I had forgotten how much Jar Jar Binks was in this movie. He's crammed into every screen, every every scene. Every scene. There's some Jar Jar. He's falling on something. He's stepping in poodoo or whatever. I mean, there's I mean, there's so much. And I, I get that he was trying to show off what he could do with yeah. the technology, but there's just so much Jar Jar Binks in this movie. There's a lot. Yeah. And it's I mean. I could take it if it was a scene or two here and there. There's just too much. But you know, but I've softened on. I've even softened on Jar Jar because mm. I watched my kids watch Jar Jar. Yeah, and they and they love him. When you see Jar Jar through that younger age yeah. group's eyes, you understand. Okay, this is what this character was for. Yeah. And I mean, Ahmed Best. I'm gonna tell you guys, it's not his fault. Oh, phenomenal actor, hilarious person. Uh, if, you, if you've ever seen him in anything else, I know he's kind of dropped off of, of the pop culture radar and had really, because of this movie, experienced some very dark things, if you ever read some interviews with him, because of the reaction he got. But, I mean, you know, this is just what he was paid to do. That's what Lucas wanted. Yeah, that's what Lucas wanted. I mean, and it's, honestly, it's not the worst of the voice performance of this movie. <laughs> Whoever did Boss Nass, I know he's, he's doing what George Lucas wanted him to do, too. Brian. I find I find Boss Ness even more annoying than George R. Binks. Yeah, Boss Ness was very annoying. Now a very They're phenomenal just actor. Yeah, a very phenomenal actor played him, uh, Brian Blessed. Hmm. If, if, I didn't know that was him. Yeah, that's 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 him. It's just it's a, I mean. Hey, like I said, they're all doing what George Lucas wanted them to do. I just wish George Lucas hadn't wanted them to do that. Yeah, I really enjoyed the. Uh, all the little throwbacks that they put in here, like even to the Flash Gordon serials with the with the screen, the flute sound of the screen coming on off where they were communicating with, that was directly out of the Flash Gordon serials. Uh, they uh, had uh, talked about this being such a, a uh, influence on Star Wars. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't get the rise to that. We would never have gotten Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is true. You know, that, that is something that really amazes me is he tried to get the rise to Dune. And Flash Gordon and failed. It worked out for everybody. It worked out for everybody. But, yeah, we, uh, we we definitely come out on top on this one. Yeah, so they run into Jar Jar and then he they convince him to take him to uh was it Uda Udagunga. Yeah, that that that's, and, where, the gun, that's where the Gungans <laughs> live. Yeah, and then that's yeah. where we encounter Boss Nass. I keep wanting to call it Feed City. That's the that's the other. that's where the Naboo live. Yeah. Um so they they go down there and they avoid the sea monsters, which it's a little bit of a silly scene. It looks great, though. It's beautiful, yeah. but it is. It's like, okay, here's a big monster. Oh, let's make a bigger one. Yeah. Okay, let's make a bigger one. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty kind of goofy. But once once again, my kids, it was thrilling. Loved they loved it. it. They loved it, loved yeah. It. And it, it is great to look at. And I, I, we skipped a part I wanted to mention. I was okay, going to give some praise. Go ahead. Um, that opening scene in space looks amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. The, the star field has never looked better. Um, the spaceships the look great. I mean, the, and the way the ships are moving in space hadn't mm-hmm. looked this good in the original trilogy. It, everything looks, it looks like a spaceship moving in space. It looks, it great. looks gorgeous. It really does. And when they get under the ocean, it looks Beautiful. great. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Art Deco lamps. Yeah, that is Utagunga. A bit of trivia, Jamie. The pilot, the female pilot, and the male co-pilot in the ship. 
that gets blown up okay. that bring the Jedi. The female pilot is one of the costume designers. The male, the male co-pilot is the actor who plays like four or five characters in here under masks. Uh, mm-hmm. Most notably, Kiati Mundi, the the cone head uh, on the Jedi Council. So, a little bit of trivia there. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but it looks great. I mean, the the ocean stuff, it all looks great. And there's a few little things here where the CGI doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Some of the effects don't haven't aged well. It is in this part of the movie. This looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so then we, then we get to where they rescue Padme um, and Queen Amidala at this point. Um, yeah. And you have a CO, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, not Sophidius, uh, CO Bibble, Oliver Fort Davies. It's unthinkable. Um, it's inconceivable. I mean, he should have been in The Princess Bride. It's true. inconceivable. We're going to have to review that soon. Very soon. Um, but yeah, so they rescue Queen Amidala, and um, I think at some, I think she's having a bad day. And not just, I mean, before even the, the blockade even got started, all of, all of the life got sucked out of her. I mean, th- this is where she stops, and that she never started. She's not acting in this movie. Um <laughs> And just, I mean, it's frustrating to me because I'm, I'm kind of a Natalie Portman fan. Oh, totally, um, totally. Because she's just so good. She's such a good actress. And everything I've seen her in, from Before Vendetta, I mean, I mean, she's amazing. Even Thor. She's not the, she's not the problem with Thor. Um, and she's not the problem with this movie. But she, she's not. She's she's not got it she's not got it turned on. <laughs> We're gonna have to agree to disagree yeah, on this she, one. Yeah, she she doesn't have her acting turned yeah. up to work. I've heard there was behind the scenes stuff that maybe led to her not giving her best effort, but I, I don't know that for a fact. I can see that with some of the secrecy and things on set. Yeah, but um, yeah, but I mean, just I mean, just just seeing her weak performance, it's frustrating to me. Yeah, and so I mean, because she's just such a good actress. Yeah, um, and all the costume changes, I mean. You have a throne room costume. You have a I'm a prisoner costume. You have an I'm a traveling in space costume. Th- those were a little, I mean, I see what they were doing there. And I mean, if you've got the costume department, if you've got an actress as beautiful as Natalie Portman, I mean, Lord have mercy, you know, yeah. throw it at it. So let's go ahead and jump into the s- second section okay. of the movie. So, Jamie, you want to tackle this one? Absolutely. So Amidala's ship is damaged as they pass the Federation blockade, and the hyperdrive is caught in the crossfire, rendering it useless. They land for repairs on the desert planet of Tatooine. Qui-Gon, Jar Jar, Astromech, Droid, R2-D2, and Padme, disguised as one of her handmaidens, visit a settlement of Moss Espa to purchase spare parts at a junk shop. They meet the shop's owner, Watto, and his nine-year-old slave, Anakin Skywalker. A gifted pilot and engineer who has built a protocol droid called C-3PO. Qui-Gon senses a strong presence of the Force within Anakin, and is convinced that he is the prophesied Chosen One. Unable to buy the required hyperdrive parts due to the Republic's currency being worthless on Tatooine, Qui-Gon wagers both the parts and Anakin's freedom with Watto in a pod race. Anakin wins and joins the group to be trained as a Jedi, leaving behind his his mother, Shmi. En route to to their starship, Qui-Gon encounters Darth Maul, Darth Sidious' apprentice, intends to capture Amidala. A duel ensues, but Qui-Gon quickly disengages and escapes aboard the starship. Okay, one thing. I was so excited to see the astromech droids. 
doing what they do because you know R2 you're like okay what is these little guys and, and you learn kind of along the way that they're they're kind of a navigator for the X-wings they're kind of you know a fixer back yeah. there to work on some co-pilot things. type thing yeah, yeah kind of a just a, just a handle thing and and when the ship gets damaged you see like eight of them just just go up the tube on top and they're working they're working on the uh, the shield generator and and they're just getting shot up, just picked off. And, I thought that know, was flying funny. Flying in the back, and uh, you know, uh, Captain Obvious Rick O'Lee. Um, you know, uh, if we keep losing droids, you know that <laughs> that little droid did it. You know, yeah. it was just so cool, and uh, yeah, it was just so cool to see them functioning in, in their capacity. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, but how gorgeous is that Chrome spaceship? Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Now, and, I, and this is a little bit of a jump ahead, but the, I love the spaceships in this movie. Look amazing. The, uh, the I think they're called the Naboo Starfighters at the yeah, end. Yeah, the Naboo Starfighters. They look great. They're the yellow and chrome. Yeah, yeah, they're one of my favorites in all Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know if we want to go scene by scene through this, but when they get to the uh, the dinner scene mm-hmm. at Anakin's house, <laughs> my, there's so much bad acting at that scene. I mean, and there's there's a lot of great actors at that table, but yeah. it's just bad. And I now you'll notice I haven't criticized a person. Yet, I don't. I don't criticize Jake Lloyd. Um, I don't think it's fair to criticize child actors. Um, and and honestly, I think when you get a bad performance or even a weak performance from a child actor, it's not the kid's fault. It's the director. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you have to. A director has to get a performance out of a kid. And so any any flaws in here, I don't think you should be blamed on Jake no. Lloyd. No. And I'll tell you something. Uh, just in keeping up with with the Star Wars Joneses, so to speak. Uh, I mean. Much like I was speaking to Ahmed Best earlier, you know, going through some really dark times, Jake Lloyd is still to this day having major issues. From what I understand and don't know him personally, don't, you know, keep up with him uh, like I should probably, but, you know, from what I understand, he's having a time. Yeah. You know, having a time uh, mentally with, with some of the things. And I don't know if it was the kickback he got from being North Vader or if it was having to repeatedly do these scenes, being in this environment under that sort of stress for this type of movie at that age. But yeah, now he, he done some great things in here. You know, he, he done some great things in this movie. He's a child actor. Yeah. He's not the greatest director, you know, and yeah. really this was his, I think the only other thing he's been in was jingle all the way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but that, that dinner, the thing there was, I mean, it wasn't just the acting. I mean, Liam Neeson's okay in the scene. Um, Natalie Portman is voting present yeah. at this meeting. And you've got Jar Jar zapping, oh the, zapping the, the, the Tatooine apples with his <laughs> yeah, tongue, you're you right, know. And you're right. So that, that scene is just below Liam you Neeson. Just have the, yeah, you just have the silliness yeah. of some of this stuff. Yeah, and, and it's just it's that scene especially for me like encapsulates a lot of what's wrong with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the things they're talking about are just – it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Right. It's things that don't like – necessarily makes sense with the things that I expected from the previous trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and that was the tonal shift. That was, yeah. the, that was the tonal shift. That was from the faster, more intense swashbuckling sword fighting, you know, chasing's, yeah. um, you know, dog fights in space. You know, and then you go to this slow, okay, are we going to rescue this slave or not? Yeah. Are we going to talk about slavery politics here? You know, <laughs> Clumsily. Very clumsily. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, you know, naive on, on you know, uh, Padme, who we find out later is, you know, actually Queen Amidala in disguise. 
uh, you know, I thought that the Republic had laws. <laughs> well, you know, out kind of out here, we just kind of got to get by. You know, um, yeah. it was really kind of strange. But you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do a scene by scene breakdown. But yeah. you know, I think it does. But the, the dinner scene's bad. Yeah, the I dinner just, scene I, is I pretty bad. I, I think it does kind of call into a, a, a point of that we wanted to bring out. You know, Watto. Watto's his awful. his animation. Yeah, I mean, his, his as a character. I, I, I despise awful. him as a character, and that's some of the animation that doesn't hold up. Yeah, that, he just looks weird. That's one of the things that, that to me that, that you can you can really see the the lines yeah. on that. But now the uh, but there's a couple of I, I want to get you're you're the you're the in depth Star Wars guy. Here. Okay. So the immaculate conception of Anakin does that bother you? Yes and no. Okay. Yes, because we're really going to tell a messiah tale. You know, we're really if you're going to steal from a story, you're going to steal from you know yeah. Jesus really. Wasn't a big fan of that. Reading some of the expanded universe, you kind of get where um, Anakin happened this way. Um, Darth Plagueis, if you ever get a chance to read that book, it still holds up. Okay. Um, Darth Plagueis, you find out, is Darth Sidious's master. They were experimenting to uh, create life using the dark side. They were experimenting, extending life using the dark side, bringing people back from the dead. Essentially, you had like some Star Wars zombies referred to wow. in there. Uh, yeah, kind of wild. So the conception and birth of Anakin is a kickback of the light side to all of the dark mm. that was happening. So, um, and it's even kind of hinted in there that. Uh, might not have even been purely the light side kicking back, hmm. but it could have been Palpatine uh, using a force to sort of inseminate uh, Shimi, uh, essentially. And that's how she gets kind of sold and shuffled around. That's getting really into the minutia of yeah. it, but yeah, you, you and they don't give us that in the movie. No, they don't give you that in the movie. Yeah. That's 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 something. Very, and, I'll, and I'll always go back to this: Star Wars is a movie franchise. Um, yeah, it's not you, a book you, franchise. Yeah, it's not a comic franchise. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and look, I love the Star Wars comics. There's some really good ones going right oh, now. Oh, great! But Star Wars is a movie franchise. Yeah. Everything we need to understand the stories should be on the screen. Yeah, that's one of the weaknesses that happened. I feel during these prequels and during the the sequels even is you kind of had all these side stories happening in comics and books that didn't necessarily make the importance of what was happening on screen better, but it explained it more. Yeah. And and they did kind of leave some leave some and they're still hanging. doing that a little bit with the new movies. And they're, they're, yeah, they yeah. really are. I've, I've noticed that with the, yeah. with some of the new ones. I had another question for you. Okay. You're the, you're the Star Wars super fan. Okay. Midichlorians. What do you think? I hate they explained it. I don't necessarily hate that what it is, but I hate that they explained the force and said it's a parasite essentially living in you. Um, Because to me, the beauty of the original trilogy was that Luke Skywalker was just an anybody and came to greatness 
you know, through training and meditation and learning. Now you have the familial line of the Skywalkers or the pure bloodlines of the Jedi. Yeah, that that weakens uh, to me the the mythology quite a bit. And, you know, Star Wars is really a fantasy story. It's not necessarily sci-fi. Star Trek. I mean, they're is, not with swords. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're firmly in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, you're firmly in fantasy. I mean, there's yeah. some sci-fi elements, yeah. but you're firmly rooted in fantasy, mythology, and lore here. You know, um, like I said, Star Trek is science fiction. Yeah. Science in fiction. You know, this is fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I, I have I have thoughts about the midichlorians, and I think they're um, shared with everyone else. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, midichlorians are never mentioned again. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they, everyone involved in Star Wars pretends that the, those things never were never said. And if you think about in The Last Jedi, um, Luke goes into detail explaining the Force yeah. and how it works. And he never it's, mentions it. And it's different. It's a very different explanation of how the Force works. And so I just think maybe the – I mean – if he was going to tinker with something, maybe take that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, that is one thing, you know, to know how my car runs. I don't need to know how the combustion functions each yeah. piston and turns the crankshaft. You know, put my key in, turn it off. It takes me from point A to point B magically. Yeah. You know, um, I don't need to know the the you know, the fine inner details of yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a mistake. Yeah. And um, I think, we, we didn't mention this. this, did this movie feel long to you? It it does drag. Yeah, it feels long. I, it I, does I, drag I, at parts. Yeah, I feel like it's probably about 20 minutes too long. Yeah. If we could cut every mention of midichlorians in the movie, that would go a long <laughs> way to fixing it. <laughs> yeah, it, there, there are some scenes that drag. There's some yeah. very exciting scenes. But there and, are and, some scenes And there's some in here. Yeah, in, um, in this part right here yeah. too. Yeah, the the Darth Darth Maul's great, and I I, I wish because I, I I forget where I where I, I heard this on a podcast recently, but I think I'd heard it before that the reason Darth Maul dies in this movie is he wanted he didn't want anybody to be able to be compared with Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and so none of the none of the main bad guys except for Palpatine got to stick around. So that's why Darth Maul had to go. And that's why had Dooku go. goes. And that's go. why nobody gets Grievous to stick had to go. Yeah, Grievous had to go. Because no, he wanted anybody to have the same kind of stature as Vader. I could see that. Darth Maul's so cool. I could definitely see that. Now, um, I would love to have gotten more Maul. In this section, too, it's, this is encompassing a pretty pretty big chunk of the movie, I'm yeah. realizing here. What's what's your uh, your feelings on the pod race? I like it. Um, you, I heard people complain it's a little too long. You know uh, one of the announcers, Greg Proops, right? I know. Yeah, I, I don't know that I wanted that in a Star Wars movie, but <laughs> he, he loves it. But uh, you do know, oh, my uh, kids loved it. They you thought, do know they that this was, was one of the tinkers from movie to DVD. In the movie theater, you only get two laps, really? of the three lap race. Huh? In the DVD release, you get all three laps. Didn't know that. Yep. But I, I mean, I've heard people complain that it's too long. Yeah. I, th- I think it's exciting. It's fun. My kids love it. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's. There's a few little things where I thought that the it looked weird. 
Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really like the see the some of the CG about some of it looks good though. About half of the CG of the pottery sage well. Yeah. About half of it did. Yeah. I mean yeah. you but, could pretty well split it down the middle. But it's exciting, it's dramatic, and it shows us that Anakin is special. Very and yeah. we needed that because we hadn't really seen that yet. So it shows us there's something about this kid that you know, Qui-Gon's right. There's something with this kid. And so we, we needed that. So we need something in this movie to show us that Anakin is special. Mm-hmm. And the pod race does that. If he's the only human who's ever been able to do it, and he does it this well, I mean, I, it shows us Anakin is special. You must have Jedi reflexes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, great. Now, hold on, though. We, we did skip something really horrible, though. When Anakin meets Padme. Are you an angel? Are you an angel? It's the most painful thing. <laughs> you know, I really see where he's coming from with the line. I mean, you know, of course... I mean, how like I've said before, how gorgeous is Natalie Portman? Yeah. And he's on this planet. You know, there, there, so you, uh, you yeah. really kind of feel there's more of an age gap, and there probably is in real life than there is in this movie. But you know, she's only like 15, 14 yeah. or fifteen in this movie. He's nine. You know, five year difference. Which, not, which not it was supposed bad. to be a closer. I mean, I, I think yeah. Star Wars canon is that he's ten and that she's twelve or thirteen. Yes. Well, yeah, so, so it's supposed to be like a two year gap. Yeah, yeah, two three year but gap. Part of the problem is. Is that Natalie Portman's whole life, since she's became an actress, she's been sexualized as young from the professional, professional to beautiful uh, girls, in heat even heat. We have, she has never been a little girl on screen, mm. and so I think it makes not just the, the line. The line's not a good line. Her seem a little much more. Mature. It makes her seem more mature, and it makes their mm. interactions. And, I, and the, it starts here. And it goes all kinda the way kind of creepy, don't it? It makes it real creepy. Yeah, yeah, kind of creepy. <laughs> and to the, I think it's this is not. Is it in this scene when they can confess their feelings for each other? It just feels so creepy. I'm I got, I got uncomfortable watching it. I mean, and I, but I think it's part of it is her background, the the stuff, the way she's been portrayed in previous movies. Yeah, we could we be. can't see her as an innocent child. Could could very well be. Could very, very well be. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, I, I don't know that you could cast her to play this kind of innocent child an innocent role. person. I don't I don't think she could she could have ever played that anymore mm. after the previous stuff she'd been in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, the uh, the meeting there is kind of is kind of weird. now I've, I'm kind of skewed on that anyway because watching the documentary that was the screen test with the four kids hmm. who were finalists to play Anakin. So you have them sitting in this junk shop, and you have Natalie Portman over on the side, and their kids are sitting in her blue jeans and little polo shirts, and she's over there in her jeans and her flannel shirt, and you know each kid. Your four different performances over and over and over. Are you an angel? What? An angel? I heard the deep space pirates talk about them, you know, and just goes all through. So I've heard that scene like 5,000 times, <laughs> not only of watching this movie, but yeah. And, and Jake Lloyd, you know, his was probably the most organic, the most natural of that um, oddness of, of, yeah. uh, of it's just a, The problem isn't so much with his delivery of the line. That's just... That's some bad writing. It's not a well-written scene. And, I, there's, and there's different ways that you could have shown. Like I mean, He was immediately attracted to her. There was some immediate connection. That's just some weak writing. Yeah. But who's he, I mean, but who's he macking on in the, uh, in the well, space? He thinks it's today? Padme. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, who, I mean, what's his experience with girls? Just like we were talking about, you know, before <laughs> in general, I mean, he's got the, he's got the old lady who says, there's a storm yeah. coming, Annie, you better get in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the, the pod race was great. The meeting was kind of odd. Yeah. And Watto's, I mean, I just, I, I don't like that character. You and know, you have it, a really strange job. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, you have a really strange looking job. That to me is one of the weaknesses of the prequels and even the sequels. It is, shrinks is the you world. Keep shrinking yeah. the universe. I mean, you're, you're traveling in this galaxy, billions upon billions of people, just on Coruscant. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in like this little neighborhood. But you where keep everybody knows coming everybody. back to, oh, Jabba's here too. You know, yeah. it's Jabba's uncle. Here's you know, and all this cr- weird connectivity. Uh, I knew I can see it on your face. I knew where you were going. And you're absolutely right. It yeah. shrinks the world. It feels like you're in some little small neighborhood where everybody grew up together. They all went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. They all had the same friends. You know, it just you keep coming back to it. But Star Wars, I mean, that was part of what we had in the original trilogy: this big, huge universe where anything could happen, and it doesn't feel that way in the prequels. And speaking of a big, huge universe where anything can happen, one of the greatest characters ever is really brought to action in this scene coming up. You have Darth Maul, physicalized by Ray Park, voiced by Peter Serafinowicz. I mean, what do you think of, of Maul's appearance, performance, and the things he does? I just want more. I mean, I, I think that's one of the big flaws in the movie, is there wasn't enough Maul. was enough Maul. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's not enough action in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that fight... On the out in the, the Tatooine desert, it should have just lasted longer. It should have went too on. Short. Yeah, it was. It's one of the most exciting things in the movie, and they cut it short. And they cut it very short. Yeah, yeah. And it was the first time you really see a. I mean, you you got a, a, a taste of it at the beginning with the Jedi. Yeah. In, but this is the first time we've seen. But you have a Jedi versus a Sith, an actual almost or maybe even better opponent. Yeah. We think about what we've seen before. The previous sword fights we've seen are with people who don't know how to use lightsabers or people who are in basically cyborgs who, <laughs> who are old and broken down yeah. and aren't able to move and aren't athletic anymore. Mm-hmm. We've not seen capable lightsaber fighters before. And now we've got Darth Maul just I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use your phrase. I, I love when you use it. He's a boss Yeah. in this movie. And he's great. He's a great lightsaber fighter. And you see um, I'm not sure what the technical term is there. Um, but you see, I mean, Qui-Gon's good with the lightsaber. Ewan McGregor's amazing with mm-hmm. a lightsaber. And it's just, it's we, we haven't seen lightsaber fights like this like before. Like this, huh? Not at all. Yeah, it, it's exciting. And there just, there just should have been more of it. Yeah. yeah. And the escape, you know, uh, Qui-Gon holds him off long enough, jumps up on the ramp, the ship escapes. And, and I love that Anakin is, like, not really at all interested <laughs> in Obi-Wan <laughs> until he figures out he's a Jedi. Yeah. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. yeah. He's really excited there. Well, I, I did like though that when um, when Liam Neeson gets in that spaceship, you talk about how he jumps up there. Uh-huh. He's winded and looks a little shook. Yeah, I mean he he was not expecting yeah. what happened. No, he was not prepared. He was yeah. not prepared for it at all. Yeah, he was. But I, I think that reaction really gives some extra drama to how exciting the scene was anyway. Entirely. I just wish he'd stayed out there longer. Well, there is a much more intense uh, interaction with Maul here in the future. So right now we're going to go ahead and take a break. And we will come to that shortly as we continue our review of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So here we go. And welcome back to the show. And Dwayne, could you read part three for us? Part three. 
Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan escort Amidala to Coruscant so that she can plead her people's case to the Chancellor Valorum. Terrence Stamp. And the Galactic Generals in the Galactic Senate. Qui-Gon asks the Jedi Council for permission to train Anakin as a Jedi, but the Council refuses. Concerned that Anakin is vulnerable to the dark side of the Force, undaunted, Qui-Gon wants to take up Anakin as his new disciple. Meanwhile, Naboo's Senator Palpatine persuades Amidala to call for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum to elect a more capable leader to resolve the crisis. Although she is successful in pushing for the vote, Amidala grows frustrated with the corruption in the Senate and decides to return to Naboo. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are ordered by the Jedi Council to accompany the Queen and investigate the return of the Sith, whom they had believed to be extinct. Okay, I had a, I had a quick question for you. Yes. And this is this is the scene where it really kind of started to sink in for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Qui-Gon Jinn. This is, this is just me watching this movie twice in the last month or two. Are they portraying him as some kind of radical? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like almost like a, like a Jedi heretic kind of guy. <clears throat> Not really. A, I wouldn't go as strong as a okay. heretic, but he is a little more, uh, wants to be a little bit more proactive, wants to be a little bit more involved than your Jedi on the council. He has a, a different view of the force. He talks a lot about the living I was, force. That was my next question. Yeah, yeah. he talks about the living force when a lot of the other Jedi talk about the will of the force. Yeah. You know, uh, the force guiding and leading them. And he uh, seems to interact more yeah. with the force as, as a, in a personal almost relationship. And uh, I think Obi-Wan is even quoted here saying to him, you know, you would already be on the council. Yeah. If you didn't defy them so much. So yeah, he's one of these guys who, who keeps rocking the boat. He yeah, says, I, you know, here's, here's your establishment, but have you thought about this way? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I thought that was a very kind of a telling scene. I was a little frustrated. Samuel Jackson is once again, just, I know you've, you've got your in, in universe reasons, you know, <laughs> Jedi are boring at this point, but Samuel Jackson just shouldn't be allowed to be boring. Yeah. This, this is true. Sam Jackson. I mean, when you have a dynamic, yeah. a personality of Sam Jackson on set, I mean, he told George, I mean, he pretty much come to George and said, I want to be in this movie. And George's like, okay, you can be in this movie. And he says, I can't. Can I have a purple lightsaber? Can I have a purple lightsaber? Can I have a purple lightsaber? And you don't see it until, yeah. you know, almost the end of the second movie. Yeah. Um, but but, so. but, but I, I thought that, that scene, I, I thought there was a lot going on there. And I'm not even sure I caught it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on there. And uh, that's another thing that I really enjoyed about the novelizations of these. And, and I know we had talked about before. These are, you know, Star Wars is a movie franchise. You know, there, there shouldn't be great depths of information gleaned from, you know, novels. But in a novel, you can kind of get into a character's head, maybe go around, uh, you know, a different perspective. But but one of the cool things is, I thought in the in the novels was brought up, is the ages of these guys and how they've kind of used the force almost to preserve themselves. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of referred to that Mace Windu's in his eighties. Oh wow. Uh, Qui-Gon would be in his sixties. So that's why Samuel Jackson doesn't age. <clears throat> that's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's using the force. Um, but now, uh, I, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but you know, it, I thought it was an interesting point here and you kind of see that in the council chambers is how the, 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 the politics and the relationships yeah. all kind of interact there. And like you said, you know, Qui-Gon being kind of a, kind of a, an, an 
outside, uh, you know, guy just, just rocking the boat. Obi-Wan trying to be the bridge. You know, you see him, his start as the negotiator. You know, yeah. you see him kind of trying to bridge there. You know, I, I want to train this kid. You know, hey, Yoda says, you've already got an apprentice. You can't take another one. And, and Obi-Wan steps and is like, well, I'm, I'm ready to take the test. Yeah. You know? Did you Do you think that he really thought that? Or just like, I need to get Obi-Wan out of the way so I can train the chosen one. I mean, I was wondering if like, was Obi-Wan supposed to be offended there? Or is he just like super eager to go take the test? Um, Obi-Wan is very offended there. Okay. Um, I, I thought I caught that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of touched on in the movie. You kind of, and, and I guess with me, multiple watches really per year. I mean, I probably watch this thing. I probably go through all of the movies maybe three times a year. Just, just even if I put it on in the background, you know, while I'm doing something else, or, you know, or the kids will want to watch them, so I'll watch it too, you know. Uh, but I, I kind of go through the movies probably three times a year, all, all of them. Um, Disney's making that hard on you. Disney's making it a lot tougher, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but uh, it is a challenge I will accept. <laughs> but, th- but that scene, I feel like, of the non-action scenes, it's the best scene in the movie. It really is a, is a strong scene. There's a lot going on there. And it really, I really like the concept of the Jedi Council. Yeah. I really like the way they had kind of the round table um, uh, thing established there, where you had, you know, kind of Mace Windu and Yoda as the one and two, and then everyone else as advisors, and, you know, had their input and things. That was really, really neat. Yeah, I thought that was, I mean... Because one of the like later on they go to do the uh, the Senate thing, which is kind of clumsy, and and I used to I used to really bag on this the politics and stuff in this movie. I was like it's clumsy, it's unsophisticated, yeah. simplistic. But then I've I've taken a, like I told you I've, I've reassessed a little bit. He's making a movie for kids here. Yeah. It can't be realistic politics. Right. It can't be realistic. It can't be super sophisticated and, and subtle politics. If it you're can't be that. governing. Hundreds of thousands of planets. How can you do that without this absurd dome? Yeah. You know, with with all of this uh, in there. And yeah, Terrence Stamp, phenomenal actor. Uh, He'll always be General Zod to me. Always be, yeah, General (laughs) Zod. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor. But, you know, he's kind of... Kind of wooden, but you, also his character is kind of powerless. Yeah, he's supposed yeah, to, he's, he's supposed to be a he's kind of character. yeah he's he's kind of a a, yeah. a, a, a neutered character here. Yeah. Um, we did skip the worst, maybe the worst scene in the movie though. Um, we may, I think we mentioned it already earlier, but when Padme and Anakin are in the ship flying to Coruscant, yeah, and, and they confess that they have feelings for each other, yeah, and they talk about how they're kind of. Yeah, into each other. Anakin's co- kind of cold in space, and she's comforting him. Well, you're from a warm planet. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda, just creepy. Kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, kind of weird. So let's uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, th- this is where we really get more of Ian McDermott playing Palpatine, and he mm-hmm. steals every scene. Oh, steals I mean, he's, he's so great in this movie. Like I think, like you said earlier, and it's it's an apt statement. He is chewing up scenery. He is taking scenes and just manipulating them he is just you know being palpatine he is being the orchestrator he's being the underhanded uh, puppeteer here yeah and he's got he's like three there's like three things he's doing like mm-hmm. he's being like Darth Sidious he's being this charming guy to Padme and he's being this you know ruthless bureaucrat guy and he's doing them all he's really doing well all great yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and another thing I wanted to call out we're talking about the effects because some of them didn't hold up Corson is great. Oh, it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's it's amazing to look yeah. at, and um, 
I'd like to have seen more. I mean, I yeah, Coruscant in the uh, in the novelizations has always been one of my favorite locales when they go to just to have a city of a thousand stories. Uh, you know, you have the sub levels, the the different areas, the interactions, uh, you know, that, that take place there. There's just it's just so rich, and they really really captured. And it brought that to life. Yeah. yeah. I, I, really, I mean, I, I was kind of struck again. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Like what, how, how much, like they showed, of course, on. Oh, it's pure and, eye candy. It looks great. Yeah, it's yeah. pure eye candy. It really is. But, you know, uh, we're, we're skipping over one of, the, one of the greatest lines here, I think. You know, and they investigate the return of the Sith, whom they believe to be extinct. Yeah. So, Yoda, we find out... You know, in his late 800s. Here. Looks good for his age. Looks great for his age. Um, and Yoda being the oldest, and they all look to him when they say the Sith have been extinct for a thousand years. So not even Yoda's ever seen a Sith. So not even Yoda's ever seen a Sith. But he is probably the most uh, contemporary they have to uh, an actual Sith. So all of their training is a thousand years old from the last encounter with the Sith. Hmm. Um, and you find out um, as these movies develop and carry on, and I'll tell you too, um, I know I've thrown out a couple uh, book titles here, Darth Plagueis, Darth Bane. If you read the Darth Bane books, because the Sith were an army. The Sith were as numerous as the Jedi, but they were all struggling for power. And they had this big war with the Jedi. <clears throat> and this character, Darth Bane, shows up. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer, by any account, as you read the book. Not the strongest in the Force, but probably the most ruthless. And through manipulation and trickery, he tricks the Sith in wiping out themselves and all the Jedi during a battle. And then he takes an apprentice, and he and she's six or seven in the book when he finds her, and he sees that she's Force-sensitive. She's near starving. She's been beat up just by being in the vicinity of the battle. And he says, if you want to live, follow me. And he starts walking, and she has to make her way. Or be left behind, hmm. knowing, and he and he shows no mercy to her at any point ever again, as his apprentice. Well, that, that actually brings up a question I wanted to ask you okay. about the Sith. Um, part of this, I think, doesn't make sense. Okay, what's up? Okay, so there's only two. There's only ever two. Only ever two. Yes. Do they do they mean they only work in pairs, or there's only ever allowed to be two Sith alive at a time? <clears throat> There's only ever two Sith alive at a time, uh, and that's the Darth Bane role. That's where he, he killed everybody else and said, now you're going to be my apprentice. You can rule when and if you ever get strong enough to kill me. That's, that strikes me as kind of dumb, because there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jedi, and there's going to be two of us. How do you expect to ever win or stay alive? How did Palpatine win? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, through through subterfuge, deception, yeah. and and all that, and and that's one of the things because Bane's point was we can't ever work together 
That's that's what I was thinking. To Maybe do they anything mean great because everybody's wanting to be the top yeah. dog. So I'll just simplify it. I'll be the top dog. You're my apprentice. Now, when you become strong enough to defeat me, then you can be the top dog. And one of the cool things that you find out uh, in Darth Vader done this some in the expanded universe is he would take secret apprentices to try to overthrow the emperor, but never could. And so the the apprentice will get to a point, and they will secretly start training someone. Well, I know. Then and the, they um, will go. Yeah, it's really neat. Well, they they've checked it in the comic books, and the uh, they're doing a a, seri- a Darth Vader series right now where there's tons of former Jedi who've become Sith. Oh, really? Yeah, they've, they're called the Inquisitors. There's a lot of them. Okay. Well, now the Inquisitors were they actual Jedi? They were Jedi were... who turned. Oh, okay. Now see, in the past, the Inquisitors. Were people who were not, who weren't Jedi, but they were force sensitive, uh, to a degree, who were trained just to hunt down Jedi. I'm sorry, I got us down a rabbit trail. <laughs> okay, now that no, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, but, I, but they, I, they've changed. The, see, I, like I think that. since Disney took over, they've changed how that rule works now. Ooh. I think. Well, that's interesting. I, th- I think I think maybe they're trying to twist it. So yeah. Maybe they just work in pairs now. Mm. Maybe they're tinkering with how that rule works. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's, there's only two. Yeah, yeah. Only two only two work together instead of just two existing at a time. So I'm, I'm, that, that struck me as I, I couldn't figure out exactly how that worked. So I was curious about that. Yeah, in the past it had only been ever yeah. two. In okay. the past it only been ever two, and that's what they discuss in this part of the movie. You know, was it the master? Yeah. Or, or was the it the apprentice that yeah. we that or we apprentice, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that we had uh, encountered here? All right, you want to jump to the end? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and start to wrap this up. All right. On Naboo, Padme reveals herself to the Gungans as Queen Amidala and persuades them to join in an alliance against the Trade Federation. Despite being inept at combat, that's an understatement, Jar Jar joins his people in a battle against the droid army, while Padme leads the search for Viceroy Gunray and Thede. During a battle in the Royal Starship Hangar, Qui-Gon tells Anakin to wait in the cockpit of a vacant starfighter. Anakin inadvertently triggers its autopilot joining the battle against the Federation droid control ship in space. Anakin blunders into the hangar of the droid control ship and causes its destruction from within before escaping, deactivating the droid army in the process. Meanwhile, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan battle Darth Maul, who mortally wounds Qui-Gon, but is then bisected by Obi-Wan. As he lays dying, Qui-Gon requests that Obi-Wan train Anakin. Palpatine is elected as the new Supreme Chancellor and Gunray is arrested. Yoda prompts... Uh, promotes Obi-Wan to the rank of Jedi Knight and reluctantly accepts Anakin as Obi-Wan's apprentice. Padme presents a gift of thanks to the Gungans during a celebratory parade. Yes, yeah, so they, they flee to Naboo, find the Gungans, um, hiding in a uh, swamp-like area. Not yeah. They have fled their underwater uh, abode. And... Uh, Natalie Portman does the worst begging ever. Natalie Portman reveals herself. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the... Uh, no one has ever begged with less emotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there wasn't even a pretty please with sugar on top. No. So I beg you. And then she kneels down slowly. I'm like, come on, try a little. <laughs> I mean, I, know, I, I found that scene really just... I think I may have actually rolled my eyes. <laughs> I mean, it was just... I'm like, you're better than this. Come yeah. on. Yeah, the uh, and you, I'm sure that Jar Jar being a CGI character, I'm sure the rest of the Gungans all wound up being CGI characters. So it's it's it is honestly probably hard to tell what she was acting to. Yeah, it could have but, just been sticks with tennis ball. I mean, tennis balls on the end of them. But you look at black box theater. I mean, it's a person on a stage with nothing. 
and they emote and they portray. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm sure it's probably hard doing it 30 times on just, set when they have to reset everything. Yeah. And, you know, the whole. I just think it's frustrating with how good an actress she is to yeah. see to see her give such a weak performance. I just find it frustrating because she, she's just such a good actress. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about the plan? That they had taken the, the the diversion with the the Gungans drawing out the droid army, uh, them sneaking into the the palace to to face the Gungans or not the Gungans but the Nemoidians. What do you what, do you think that plan made a lot of sense? Um, it wasn't the most nonsensical thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, there was a third prong too. They had to go up and take out the droid control ship up top yeah. too. I mean, there's actually, there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a lot of here. stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, I mean, I don't know that on a first watch, you really understand what's happening. Yeah. I, I will tell you my first watch of this movie, I was a little lost yeah. through some of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I mean, we're, we're both older now than when we saw it the first time. You've seen it a lot. Uh, I've seen it a few times. Um, yeah. it, there's a lot going on. It's a pretty convoluted plan. Yeah, it it really is. Uh, but now the uh, the Gungans, I thought they had uh, really represented well as warriors. George or withstanding. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say there's <clears> one <throat> notable exception. Yeah, um, you know, but I think they really represented well as ro- warriors with with the shields they yeah. had, with the the shield generators on on the backs of the uh, the, the Kadu. That's what the animals were called. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> it's nerdier than usual up in here. Skin deep, folks. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the 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 battle. I mean, the battle droids coming out, and then you know the no, it's a cool scene. The Jedi and the Naboo breaking into the palace, yeah. uh, freeing the palace. The palace taken off to take out the control ship. Uh, and then we see the most bestest duel ever. I, I mean, we've seen a lot now. Um, I think that for emotional power, I think the only thing that beats it is the fight on Starkiller Base. There's, there's, there's so much emotion going on that on that lightsaber fight. But in terms of like how good a fight it is, this is the best lightsabers have been used. Yeah, this this is better than Anakin versus Obi Wan to me. This is even better. Oh, yeah, than yeah, Anakin I'm agreeing with you. Everyone, yeah. yeah, I just think that like, the end of Force Awakens, like, the emotional stuff that's going on there yeah. makes that a really powerful lightsaber battle. Oh, yeah, it makes it battle. Really. But this is the best one. Just, just in terms of dudes flying around with lightsabers, I mean, mm-hmm. this is the best in any, any Star Wars movie. Yeah. And, I mean, how cool was the dual-bladed lightsaber? It's great. Yeah. I love it. Because when, when you first watch it, you think, man, that's got, that thing's got a big hilt on it. Because like when they first fight on Tatooine, it's he like only a, uses like, one blade. Yeah, it's just this long hilt on him. Like, that's a kind of a weird looking thing. And when the second blade pops out, you're like, oh, oh that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And and then again, you know, Ray Park just being the physical powerhouse that he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he really upped the ante. Yeah. And, um, and like the, um, uh, I forget what they're called, those power doors. Mm-hmm. They don't make any sense. But I love what they do for the scene because yeah. you end up with them separated. And I love it. It says so much about the characters because, I mean, um, Obi-Wan's stuck way back there and he's kind of antsy. But so Darth Maul is looking at Qui-Gon and he's pacing like a lion in a cage, mm-hmm. pacing back and forth, revealing his character, you know, who he is. Qui-Gon just, you know, stops, stops kneels down and starts meditating. Uh, so you see he's this, you know, cool, confident Jedi Obi-Wan's not there yet. He's not freaking out. He, or he's not freaking out. He's not doing the the, the, the prowl like Darth Maul. But he's, he's kind of antsy back there. Yeah. 
It just it just say, there's so much character stuff going on right he's there. He's chomping to get it to fight Obi Wan. Yeah, I just that that I mean that's that's not that's the least action packed part of that scene. But I think it just says so much about who they are. But that's one of the parts of the scene that you're probably most on the edge of your seat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really brings that to a head. Yeah, and we just really learned so much about the people. They're not even talking. Nobody says anything in that scene. That little part of the scene, nobody says anything, but it's just so character revealing about all of them. And it's you great. and you also have the intercutting with the Gungans battling, with the Jedi fighting, with the starfighters in space, and then you know Padme and the other Naboo going up to the throne room to uh, to uh, uh, approach the Nemordians yeah. uh, for control. And I mean, they bring out the grappling hooks. <laughs> I mean, where's Adam West when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> You know, they break out the grappling hooks, they shoot up the window, I'm like, yes! You know, yeah, but there's just so much great stuff in this. Yeah, now, now, I do think they're intercutting with their best scene and maybe the dumbest thing in the movie. And, and, and midichlorians aside, maybe the biggest mistake. Because um, So Anakin gets in the cockpit to hide from the laser fire. Yeah. And for whatever reason, R2 decides to hide with him. It gets sucked up into the droid control That doesn't make socket. any sense, yeah. but I, R2 does stuff, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> I, whatever R2 wants to do, R2 can do. I love him. He's fine. But everything that happens after that is purely an accident. And I just feel like the way he's been built up is this chosen one. And from the previous movies, he's this great pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, it just shouldn't have all been an accident. You know, I just feel like that, that's a misstep. Now, there's two ways you can look at this. I know, the force was You can him. look at it as the force guiding him and placing him where he needs to be and yeah. taking care of him. You know, and, and this is a leap of faith. This is where you know the force is a religion. Yeah, but the, but the movie doesn't tell us that. The movie does not tell us. The that, movie tells us it was a, it was all an accident. <laughs> it was all. It was, and I'm like, this that's a misstep. And maybe yeah. maybe there should have been a scene. Maybe the scene where um, Yoda allows um, Obi Wan to take him as a padawan. Maybe they talk about it. Yeah. About how it all looked like. Of how the boy. The how force is already like guiding him. But the force is placing. Yeah. This. yeah. So that that might have made that scene work better. But is it just being this big accident? Because it was played for laughs. Oh, it was an accident. He just you know. Blah, he blah, comes blah. skidding in. Yeah. I, I think I kind of I kind of raw, some of the stuff we learned about Anakin in the pod race it feels like it kind of gets taken away or softened. Mm. Everything just being this goofy accident that happens. Mm. He saves the he saves the day. Eh, it's just an accident. Whatever. No, I hadn't looked at it that way. Yeah. So yeah, you're giving me a little bit more of a cynical view on that, but <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't looked at it that way. Yeah. I just feel like it steals kind of some of his thunder. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's 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 see. Well, I can I can see that. But, but they keep uh, cutting back to Darth Maul, so it's okay. But I ch- I choose Jamie. I choose to to live by faith on this. This this is the force guiding him. I mean I mean you can be a doubting Thomas if you wish, but I'm. I'm just going with what the movie tells me. <laughs> okay. But, but there's yeah. some good stuff after that. I mean, so not not just the fight scene. There's some good stuff. The, um, the interaction where Obi-Wan becomes – it's also – I think it's hilarious. They're talking about the council won't allow. Obi- Obi-Wan and Yoda are alone. Yoda tells him the council won't allow it. No, Yoda tells him that the council no, agrees. Well, no, he says at first the council doesn't want him to. Oh, yeah. They have a no. discussion, and, the, and then Yoda's like, well, the council's going to allow it. I'm like, what council? They're just a rubber stamp for you. Are you the whole council? Well, Yoda states he doesn't agree. Well, well, just, he, uh, says the, he says the account. He said the council grants you permission to train him. I must have misunderstood but, the scene. But agree, I do not. Okay, yeah. I must. I must because it felt like. Do they just rubber stamp everything you say? <laughs> Yoda really is the yeah. whole council. And then you have the uh, you have the uh, Theed parade. Yeah. With the uh, with the Gungans doing the my kids are highly entertained by it jazzy thing and yeah. and then she gives uh she gives him the uh what is that is that the magic the magic eight ball 
the magic, magic uh, game, right. uh, what is the the contact juggling ball? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that did look a bit cheesy. Yeah, my my kids enjoyed it. As, as in, there's 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 parts of this movie where I just I just I've learned I'm gonna take a step back. What made for me? <laughs> my kids my kids are having a blast. Whatever, it's fine. It's cool. But um, but that's but that's some of the uh, um, strengths of this movie, though. I mean, is it's a mixed bag. Getting to share it with your yeah. children. I mean, this and like you said, this this is a, a movie kind of aimed toward younger folks. And I and I think that he shifts again after this movie. I feel like in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, especially, we return more to the target audience of the original trilogy. I think he's trying, but I don't think he ever achieves it. Well, I, yeah, I think I think the focus shifts. I think here he's clearly designing yeah. Uh, yeah. for younger kids. Yeah, I, th- I think he made a lot of conscious decisions to steer away from George Orr, to steer away yeah. from the because even if you look at the stuff in um, Attack of the Clones, George Orr has some really important things to do in there. Yeah, but it's he has a very minimal presence in the movie. And he's not as goofy. Not near as goofy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not near there's as goofy. There's not as much of the physical goofball comedy of it. Yeah. So. Okay, any final thoughts before we go to rewards? <sighs> no, I think I'm pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I stand by my C. I mean, it's kind of good, kind of cool. And and I'm sticking with my A. I just, I just think minus, it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah, just but just for my love of the saga. <laughs> as he holds his phone with... Kylo Ren on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Not, not an unbiased observer. Not, not, not unbiased at all. <laughs> not unbiased at all, folks. Okay, so we've got some awards we want to give out. Um, Dwayne, who do you think gave the best performance in this movie? The best performance from me, I'm going to say Ewan McGregor. I loved his portrayal of Obi-Wan. He really captured uh, the essence of that character, even though it was a very young, naive uh, Obi Wan, I think he really uh, captured uh, the physicality that I think uh, you know Alec Guinness could have had as as a younger man, kicking butt and taking names all over the galaxy. You know, Ewan McGregor really embodied. He really took that role and ran with it. Um, I think that's my runner-up. Um, I, I do want to say though, I, I really, I really buy him as the young, enthusiastic version of the old, tired Obi Wan from the mm-hmm. original trilogy. It feels like they're the same character. I mean, I on on, on the different you know, poles of the, of the of his life. Yeah, I think he does a great job of portraying that. I want to give it to Ian McDermott though. I mean, every scene he's in, he owns, and you just can't take your eyes off of him. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a great performance. All yeah. right, Dwayne. I agree. What's what's up next here? Worst is, dialogue. Oh, worst dialogue. Yeah. For worst dialogue, I'm going to go with anything <laughs> that comes out of Rick Ole's mouth. Just anything that comes out of that man's mouth. Uh, I know he's been referred to as Captain Obvious. I mean, we just seen <laughs> that the, the little droid did it. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me that little droid did it. I can see on the screen, we're losing hyperfluid, I believe Obi-Wan says. The hyperdrive motivator is leaking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, the, yeah, just anything that comes out of that man's mouth. Yeah. And he says it with some of the strangest facial expressions, too. <laughs> yep. He's, he's like your weird drunk uncle. 
He is the cousin Eddie <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm gonna give it to. Um, and I, once again, I'm, I'm not blaming the child actor. I, I firmly blame the scriptwriter. Are you an angel? It's just a, it's a cringeworthy line of dialogue. Yeah. And it, and it's not just that one line. When he goes to explain what he means by that, it just gets worse. And it's just it's just poorly written. It's just all it's just awkward. Yeah. And you kind of feel bad for actors that have to read some of those lines. So, but. Yeah, some of the dialogue is, I I is, like your answer, is lacking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so when we went with best performance earlier. What about a best character? Who's your favorite character in the movie? Uh, my favorite character, um, I know he didn't have a lot to do in the movie, but for what I think he was supposed to have been, I'm, I'm going to go with Mace Windu. Really? And, and, and I know it's an odd choice, especially for this movie, Yeah. but... You know, Sam Jackson, I, I think that uh, he had a different vision of what, of what Mace Windu was going to be throughout the movies. Yeah. This one included. Um, I just, I don't know, just his his whole attitude of just like he's just too cool to be in the room. Even though he seems a little detached, he's just too cool to be there. And he's just straight up and honest. No, we're not going to let you trade him. I find Mace Windu more interesting in the later movies. Yeah. Than this one. And that probably retrospectively, you know, adjusts my grade with him, yeah. you know, seeing he, what he, he, he becomes one of the cool. Yeah, seeing what he became, uh, but just that introduction yeah. to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to go Darth Maul. Yeah. But I'm not going to. Because <sighs> I've done a 180 on somebody in this movie. Oh. Okay. Um, earlier in my, when I, because I'll tell you a, a little story. I watched this movie in the theaters and it came out in 99. Okay. And I loved it so much. I didn't watch it again until this year. <laughs> and I didn't see Attack of the Clones in the theaters. Oh, wow. So I think it's the only Star Wars movie of my you know lifetime that I haven't seen in theaters. Wow. That's how much I loved The Phantom Menace at the time. And I hated Qui-Gon Jinn. And I thought that Liam Neeson gave a bad performance in the movie, which is weird because I'm a Liam Neeson fan. I love the guy. I thought, I thought he did a bad job. And I've, I pay, I watched him like a hawk in this movie. Liam Neeson's great in this movie. Yes, he is. It's a, he's giving a very subtle performance in a movie that's not subtle at all. That's where he gets lost. Yeah, he gets lost in the movie somewhat, but it's not his fault. Everything that Liam Neeson is doing in this movie is great. And so I, I want to, so I just, I've, I, it's not, Darth Maul's my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. But just, just for how much that my perspective has changed on Qui-Gon, I just want to mention that Qui-Gon Jinn, was a great character in this movie, and I've completely changed my perspective yeah. on it. Well, I thought you were going to go with Darth Maul. It's one of the reasons I didn't go with it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Darth Maul is probably one of the coolest characters ever. Yeah, he's yeah. great. And it's, and it's as, I mean, I, I like the guy who does the voice. I, can't, I forget his name. Serafinowitz. Peter Serafinowitz. Shaun of the Dead's brother. Um, or roommate, I forget. Um, but Cor- Corman Day in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he's the tick now. Um, but the, but it's the physical performance. That he gives yeah. in this movie, and the, the the physical presence of Darth Maul in this yeah, movie, Ray, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, Ray Park owns. Yeah, owns. I mean, he is. Yeah, he is a physical uh, force. Okay, and on that note, what's the best scene, Dwayne? Best scene. Uh, we, we can be Captain Obvious. Yeah, let's just go ahead and go with the final duel. Yeah, yeah, that's the right answer. Yeah. The the final duel, duel of the fates, it as it, m- as it has been titled. It might be the best scene in the prequels. 
Very possibly. Yeah, it's it's that good. If if it's not the best scene in the prequels, it's probably number two. Yeah, but it's 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 in the top two. Yeah, maybe number one. Yeah, there's no debate there. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's the right answer. It's there. So Jamie, that being said, uh, what um, are we going to look at on our keeping it one hundred? Oh, we no. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm forgetting. Forgot. I'm forgetting. Oh, how could I forget our doctrine? <laughs> how could I forget our Keanu connection? How how does the Phantom Menace connect to our beloved Keanu? And you know, I, for all week, all week, Jamie, I said, where is Keanu in this movie? Where is the line that will take us home? Dwayne, she was blankly, woodenly staring you in the face for the whole movie. And that's why I missed her. <laughs> that's why I missed it. Natalie Portman was bad in this movie, but she was great in V for Vendetta. Phenomenal in V for Vendetta. She's great in that movie. That's a, it's a good movie. You know who else is great in V for Vendetta? Who else is great in that movie, Dwayne? Hugo Weaving. That's right. And what else was Hugo Weaving in? The Matrix. With our beloved Keanu. And that is this episode's Keanu Connection. <laughs> that was too much fun that was too much fun <laughs> so anyway so now i'm going to jump on what i was jumping on a minute ago uh, or keeping it 100 and uh i'm going to go ahead and start this one because i think i've got something that is connected a little more yeah are, are, are you ready to go yeah. all right go fanboys a movie directed by Kyle Newman, written by Ernest Klein of Ready Player One fame. Four friends from Ohio decide to take a road trip. One of them is terminally ill and will not live to see the premiere of Star Wars Episode One. So they decide to take a road trip across country, break into Skywalker Ranch, and steal a copy. Of Star Wars Episode One, hilarity ensues, folks. This movie is great. Jay Baruchel, uh, most notably, uh, Seth uh, Seth Rogen, I think is his name. No, yes, yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah, he is in a, it. Uh, Kristen Bell. He plays a couple of roles. He plays a couple of roles in there. Yeah, uh, you have a Star Wars versus Star Trek scene in here. You have the A Team van. Check it out. It is just a great movie. I know I've got a ton of time left, but that's going to be my sale on that one. Uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're a pop culture fan, fanboys. It's a good recommendation. And I, I can back him up. I've seen it. It's it's highly entertaining. And yeah. he's right about Seth Rogen. This <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he plays a few characters in there. <laughs> he plays a few characters in there. Yeah. And Kristen Bell is just I'll, I'll tell you, she's a blonde, but she wears a black wig in this, or is yeah. dyed her hair black, and she's she's just a cutie. Yeah. It's a very entertaining movie. Yeah, very entertaining. So, Jamie, I'm going to start in three, two, one. Okay, um, my Keeping 100 this week is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, just saw it. Um, so I, I mentioned before in this episode that I didn't think that this was a Star Wars movie that was made for me. Apparently, this Spider-Man movie was the Spider-Man movie made for me. Um, it pushed all of my buttons. Had It connected with me. Um, I'm a grown man watching an animated movie, and it may have gotten a little dusty in the room a few times. <laughs> um, but And they're just – it's very careful craftsmanship. The way they introduce all of these Spider-People is so amazingly done. 
Um, and it's just this powerful emotional story about this, this kid who's kind of lost in his world. And, and it's just, it's a fabulous, I love the way they do the different art styles connected together. And it's just this, it's this nerdy movie, but it's also this really emotionally powerful movie. It's really character driven, despite what the uh, trailers may have shown you. It's a great flick and it's my favorite movie of the year. Favorite movie of the year so far. Jamie, you did it with 40 seconds remaining. Um, and I have I seen this. want to give anything away. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie as well, and it is, uh, I will second that emotion. It's a great, great movie. Yeah. And I like a lot of movies this year. I, I, know, I know a lot of people have talked about how this was a down year for movies. I like a lot of movies this year. I've, I've really had a struggle this year. I thought Infinity War was really good. Infinity War was good. I liked Incredibles it too. It wasn't as great as I was hoping it would be, but it was good. I liked Infinity War. Um, I still need to visit. Um, I still need to visit the Incredibles. I know my family got to watch it without me. I was tied up oh, doing some no, other things. But yeah, they yeah they 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 ditched me. Um, so um, I need good. to see the Incredibles too. But yeah. But I, the, for me, uh, the movies that were released this year, I know I put a post up on Facebook and nobody got involved. And it's fine. I'm not. My feelings aren't hurt at all. Um, <laughs> But, uh, As he wipes a tear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, honestly, I think this was the best movie of the year. Um, it's it's just great. I stole some extra time there. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, that movie is well deserved of it. That movie is well deserved of it, Jamie. So let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. Well, hold on, hold on, Dwayne. Oh, what what's our next quest? What we got? Oh, our next quest. What is our next quest? <laughs> oh. We spent like 30 minutes looking over the schedule before, yeah, before the thing. What is our next quest? As Groundhog I'm, Day. As I'm sitting here sleep deprived. What's your Groundhog Day next? Is that, oh wow, it's that four already. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah, I'm excited to I see. I wish you could see the grin on his face. It's been so long. I watch it every year. It has been entirely unforgivable too long. How long it's been since I've I watch it on Groundhog Day every year. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie gonna be fun so yeah this is a movie uh, we uh, we're, we're trying to arrange some things a little bit more seasonal this year and uh, yeah groundhog day is something that i'm really excited to, to look into so yeah when if was you, the last time you watched it oh my god it's probably been i would say 12 maybe 14 years wow yeah it's i can't been, wait to hear you talk about it's it. been entirely yeah unforgivably too long All right. uh, so yeah I'm, I'm really excited to to revisit this one really totally am i'm pumped. Yes, yeah, so guys, if you want to, uh, I'd highly encourage you to uh, to check this out with us. Uh, come at it with a fresh perspective, as I'm going to. Um, I can tell you, as a matter of fact, maybe I can gather as much uh, from Jamie with the, with this as he has from me uh, during these Star Wars uh, rewatches. So yeah, that that sounds like a, a ton of fun. And uh, Jamie, uh, what's what's going to be up on the uh, on our Facebook page this week? Um, well, I, now I had, we've ranked top five Star Wars on the Facebook page before, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. Hmm. You know what? I bragged on Liam Neeson. Let's do the top five Liam Neeson movies. Top five Liam Neeson sounds yeah. great. Yeah, that's, that's a worthy list. Yeah, I like it. Yes, this is a worthy list. All right, well, th- guys, thanks again for listening. As always, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we are uh, Nerds of the Roundtable with a K on uh, Facebook and Roundtable Nerds 2 on Instagram and Twitter is uh, at nerds two at nerds two. And uh, the email is roundtablenerds at gmail.com roundtablenerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Wait, wait, Dwayne, Dwayne, are you an angel? Are you an angel?